Hello, this is uh, Calvin Wayne Pennywell Jr. This is episode 16 of The Glory in Our Stories. Today I have a privilege of speaking to some friends of mine who are now out-of-towners. We used to be uh, local Augustans. as Philip and Sheena Marti. Marte. Marte, sorry. <laughs> Marte. Um, as I always do, I like to give a brief history of the people that I'm interviewing. Um, I think the first time that I met you guys, y'all didn't see me. We were at, I was at, um, Buffalo Wild Wings. Y'all were at a event where they joined like five or six tables. Uh-huh. And on one side were seating both of you and both of y'all had big hair. Yeah. And like at one time <laughs> and something was going on and y'all were laughing. And it was at that moment, I was like, well, that's, that's interesting because Whatever was going on, y'all were in sync. Uh, what was going on? So that's pretty. That's pretty cool. And then I met y'all again, and then I made the connection, and I got an opportunity to actually meet you all. That's crazy. So, um, and I think after that, it was maybe one of the uh, fellowship meetings. Probably, yeah. Um, break break point. I think it was break point. Okay, yeah. So, and I we went to the house that y'all had where it was the large tree, big tree, yeah. big tree in the living yeah. room. And that was the actually, that was actually the first time I heard Adrian sing. Mm. So like a lot of new things came out of that, right. that group. Uh-huh. Yeah. And just meeting you guys. Yeah. Lori and Keegan got married by meeting. Well, not there, but there. Well, it was basically through, <laughs> through that, yeah. you know, group of friends and everything. Through yeah. And all that. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of good stuff came mm-hmm. from that, that time. And then, that group of friends that you know was around that break point either uh at the break point or you know one degree of separation kind of deal from break point friends you know mm-hmm. that really built that really built our roots here in Augusta I think like we kind of had them but that really like that was kind of like miracle growth yeah for you know us our you know our establishment here in Augusta mm-hmm. a lot of good friends and lifelong friends came from that you know and so if y'all could uh in a, in a, I guess in a nutshell, tell where you're from, where you were born, a little bit about your childhood. Um, I was born in Miami, Florida, um, and I stayed in Miami, Florida, same, in the same house, almost the same house pretty much until I graduated high school. We moved a, a couple times, but it was our my grandfather's house, and I always ended up coming back mm-hmm. there. And, and the, when uh, I left the, when I graduated high school, I joined the Air Force. And that's where I left from and, you know, started the next chapter of my life. But um, that's pretty much it. After the Air Force is when I came to Augusta. So grew up in Miami um, and cut my cut a lot of my teeth there, you know, and a lot of the ways that um, I think and I see things different because I was I was an outsider there because my neighborhood there was um, all black, mm-hmm. you know, and my high school was very heavily, probably 89%, 90% black, you know? Yeah. So I, I was the outsider, and it was uh, helped me see a lot of things, understand things differently, I guess. Yeah. 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 Well, <clears throat> I was born in Haiti, um, and then around two, I moved to Germany with my family, or with my mom and dad and my sister. And then in the late 90s is when we decided to move to Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually due to uh, 
what I thought <laughs> that we moved to the U.S. for was due to my mom wanting a better um, stance on religion, the Christian religion. Mm. Um, she didn't feel like we would grow in Germany. But I actually ended up finding out later on that it was more so following my dad over here to the U.S. Um, for just different purposes. But um, And then we that's how we actually met was in uh, Fort Lauderdale Church. <laughs> so Cooper City. Cooper City, yeah. We met at a church in South Florida, Cooper City. And we were, I was, what, 15? You were probably 13? Yeah. That's where we met way so, back when. Oh, yeah. So how did, I remember you telling me, um, dang, I forgot what event that was, but you were telling me how that went down. And hearing you speak on that, because it's hard for you to say without smiling, because mm -hmm. it was very unique mm -hmm. how that interaction went down. So, I met yes. Philip. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> so um, we got invited to like um, an Easter play mm -hmm. at the church, and we were kind of like searching for a church because the church we were going to at the time uh, split mm -hmm. and broke apart, and so the church closed down. But anyways, we got invited to this Easter play, and when I walked in, um, I told my mom, I said, Mom, I feel, I feel like this is supposed to be our church. You know, it was only like 12, 13, like, I don't know, I just knew something was different about it. So my mom was like, okay, so we went to church that Sunday, it was our first time. <laughs> and um, I said to my mom, or as soon as we sat down, I said, Mom. <laughs> We have to come to church early next Sunday so we can sit on that side of the stage so that the guy playing the maracas can see me. <laughs> I was playing maracas. <laughs> I'll play percussion on Sundays. Oh. Little, like, little did I know, like, that was going to be my husband. Like, who knew? Oh, that's so crazy. Yep. I don't remember any of that. I don't remember any of that. Oh, of course you don't. He didn't yeah. notice me until I was like 15. I have zero recollection <laughs> of seeing her before, before that. I remember meeting her at the youth group mm -hmm. that we had, which was a very that was mm -hmm. as much as uh as much as um you know where I lived was mm -hmm. uh you know crucial to how I am now. Yeah. That youth group was it was a it was crazy how that that thing shaped my spiritual walk. Like if I wouldn't have been at that youth group, I don't know if I'd be a Christian today. Like my, we went to churches, and I always had um, an attraction to God. Um, but that youth group and who was there at the time and how it played out and like what they were doing spiritually at the time is like I I haven't I haven't personally seen it anywhere else since mm -hmm. then. You know, but that really that solidified my belief in God. Like. There was no question after being there if there was a God or not. You know? It's funny that we went to the same church, but I have my memories of the youth group are nothing compared to his. Like, really? I had no connection there. I don't remember any sermons that were taught. I don't remember mm -hmm. any connect, like no, no I already said connections. Like I just, I didn't see the youth the way he did. It was more so of a, I had to go to church at this point in my life when mm -hmm. at the time that he was getting so connected with it. Um, it just was more so I had to be there. Yeah. Um, so it's just crazy how like we were under the same fellowship, under the same thing, and we both came out with two different experiences from that place. Um, and that just that lets me know that 
everything is literally I feel like it's just it's 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 from your from your point of view from your mm-hmm. eye gate because um, we knew the same people we sat in the same seats mm-hmm. you know we sang the same songs yeah. heard the same message but she had a whole different experience yeah. than I did mm-hmm. it's crazy it's like that happened to me at church. My experience is more parallel with yours because mm-hmm. I remember going to church because we had to. Mm-hmm. Right. I understood what he was, but I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. So and that's what I learned from my mom is she knew who he was, mm-hmm. but of course she knew at that time because at this point she was an adult, she had kids, she had been right. married, and she was she was settled right. in who she was as a person. But as a child, you just you just go with the motions mm-hmm. and you some things some experiences you have are blurs but you just know this is what I did right and there were also kids there who were in Philip's position who actually had that relationship mm-hmm. so from the outside you're like man how does how does he how did they acquire that because we're both the same age mm-hmm. and we're both in middle school high school but like you said it's it's different mm-hmm. right and a lot of people don't understand that and I, of course, you get that with siblings because you grew up in the same house. You grew up across maybe 12, what, maybe 20 feet away mm-hmm. from the same, same hallway. Yeah, same, mm-hmm. But they have a completely different experience. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's an interesting um, idea I thought about. That's something that I talk about a lot, like, because, you know, like, knowing if there is a God or not, like, who really who really has the kind of proof that everybody wants you know what i mean like some people it's enough to see nature yeah. you know and they they just know because and they they accept it because they see nature some people maybe an event in their life you know or something like that happens and and they accept that god is real and it's enough for them but uh a lot of times for me it's just um the uniqueness of everything like there's nothing that's the same in this world and that's that's crazy to me like you were talking about growing up across from somebody and they just have two different experiences and I use that a lot with even twins they look the same yeah. same height came out the same day ate the same food probably mm-hmm. wore the same clothes yeah. you know same people all of that stuff and can be comp- and are completely unique but also similar you know what I mean like mm-hmm. something so complex like how can it have just come from nothing you know what I mean yeah. Like, how can that just, that just happen? It's hard for me to swap to, you know, swap it. I mean, there's more to it than that, but, you know, it's a very interesting concept. How you can be so so alike, but so different. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. It's going back to uh, you and, and your high school experience. Uh-huh. Because of not just you being an outsider, but your ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Were you targeted? I, you know, in some way. Some senses. Um, in some senses, yeah, but I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was a confidence thing or not. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't ever feel like... There were times growing up where I felt maybe bullied a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it was never an issue for me. I know it was for other people. Even even um, people of the same race that were bullied by the, you know, their same race and stuff like that. But for mm-hmm. me in that, in that place... Um, I feel like maybe because I was confident in who I was, yeah. that that never it never became that. There were times where people might have tried. Mm-hmm. Not saying I never got into a fight or anything like that, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was never like uh, I didn't care. 
like I was accepted always and I wasn't I never had to try that hard to be accepted because I it didn't matter to me if I was accepted by them or not mm-hmm. and that is very powerful in the in the sense that that actually attracts people to you like it brings people and they want to know and they want you to accept them in, at that point yeah. like it turns the tables <laughs> on on people you know yeah so um I guess I guess I was an outsider in the sense of you know I wasn't like them I didn't grow up in the same kind of uh, culture as you know as them but at the same time I did because I was accepted by a lot of you know a lot of people in my neighborhood and whatnot and when I wasn't you know if they had a problem with me we handled the problem and then what you know we move on from there if you don't like me still then you know we go about our business yeah but um. I would say um, I didn't. That was it. Was it wasn't like um, outsider to the point where um, it was an issue. You know what I mean? Like I was getting picked on and all of that stuff. No, there were times where people said stuff and called me, you know, racial slurs and stuff like that. Even me. Yeah. You know, they had they had their racial slurs for me and stuff like that. But it was whatever, man. Like okay, and what? <laughs> you know what are you really saying? Yeah. You know, so. I remember uh, my best friend from high school, he was, he's Mexican. Uh-huh. So uh, the school we went to was like half and half black and white, but a lot of the black females uh-huh. were always talking about him. His, his hair is curly, uh-huh. real light skin, mm-hmm. and they were always saying, man, this something about him. So the other black guys mm-hmm. were hating on him. Right. They would think, man, you still in, you still in our girls. Right. And I'm like, no, nah. and I never, I never saw it that way. I was just, he was, you know, he's got the, this attractive young man and that's it just that's that's the way it is uh-huh. but I never saw it as difference in color until mm. when I got older because right. his wife is black uh-huh. and now his kids are biracial right so I mean it's it was normal for me but he got hassled a lot mm. from the other black men right and it's funny because his best friends which was me and three other guys it was five of us he uh-huh. was the only Mexican, right, and only person that was of another race, mm. but we never, that never came to the forefront of our minds until mm. he got around his family. Right, his mom came around, right, because she was speaking <laughs> Spanish, <laughs> and you didn't really know what his culture was like until you got to his household, right, and then you were like, okay, now this makes sense why he does this and that and does that. Mm. So that's why I wanted to ask you that because I knew somebody who went through that, mm-hmm. but he was confident right. in who he was mm-hmm. and he did things normally I'm like man what's the problem right because so yeah i think i think part of that also is um my uh so i'm second generation born in the u.s right so yeah. my my father and his brothers were first generation and my grandparents came from the dominican republic and um i think part of that is you know kids don't see color you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like it takes it takes a while for that to to even seep in, and maybe affect them or not. Yeah. But um, you know, I grew up in that neighborhood. I grew up in that in that environment, and my my uh, father and uncles grew up in that. And my father was very young. My father was 17 when I was born, and mm-hmm. all my uncles were. Um, there was one older one, and the rest were younger than him. So, um, not to mention, you know. The two younger ones were black. They were dark skinned, you know, mm-hmm. so they definitely slid into, you know, that culture and stuff like that. So me, I think growing up in that, 
I never, I never, it was just, these were just the people I was around. These were my friends, yeah. you know. And eventually, you know, maybe you get around some other people who never met you before, and they might have something to say, but at by that time, either I had been through it enough, or it didn't, you know, it was just, it just didn't matter. It didn't matter. So what was your experience like in uh, high school? Um... Well, let me start with elementary school mm-hmm. because that that kind of ties into who who I thought I was yeah. in high school. Um, when I first moved here, I didn't speak English. I did understand it though. I spoke German, and mm-hmm. um, they made a mistake, <laughs> and I didn't. They were supposed to put me into an ESOL class, but because I couldn't understand English so well, um, and the paperwork, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I ended up in a regular class, not an ESOL class. Mm-hmm. Um, and I caught on pretty quick. I was speaking English probably within the first month of being here. I caught on um, because I understood it so well. My father only spoke English to yeah. me. Um, so with that being said, I um, I had an awful experience coming into the United States. So you came from where? From Germany. So this is coming from Germany, yes. Um, so you, you were born in Haiti? I was born in Haiti. And how far between Haiti and Germany? Two years. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then from Germany, the the actual real reason why we moved to the U.S. was, like I said, it was always told to me that we came here to um, be able to go to church, but in actuality, it was actually my dad um, left and mm-hmm. ran away, didn't want us any longer, I guess, in a yeah. sense. So my dad ran off, and my mom saved up and worked so hard, and she uh, got her green card, and um, she came. We came over to the U.S. to follow my dad because she didn't want to give up on our family. So that's yeah. kind of like that whole little thing. And they're still together, forty years in December. Wow. So it's by the grace of God. But anyways, um, so in Germany, I was surrounded by you know white people, but I didn't notice that I was different Mm -hmm. I didn't see my dad as black and I didn't see my mom as white I saw my dad as my dad and my mom Mm -hmm. as my mom but I wasn't made aware of my skin complexion until I moved here to the United States Mm -hmm. and I I can't say that I was made aware of it in elementary school already I was just I was just picked on by every race I was picked on by white girls and I was definitely picked on by (laughs) black girls Um, You know, I would get pushed out of the seat on the school bus or um, I'd get my lunch stolen from right in front of me, Um, my hair pulled, I got threatened that someone was going to break a glass bottle and scratch my face up. Um, And I could never understand why. I could never understand why I was so mistreated. And unlike Philip, you know, he didn't, it didn't affect him. He just Mm -hmm. stayed himself. But me? Um... It really, really, really messed with my mental or my psyche, and I had a very hard time finding who I was. Um, and even still to this day, at 28, I'm still trying to find Sheena. You know what I mean? Um, doing a better job at it now. <laughs> but anyways, um, I will. I just, I, I didn't have a preference on friends. My preference in elementary school was whoever was willing to be my friend, whoever was willing to be nice to me, because I just, oh my God, it was just, it was so bad, um, how, how badly I was picked on. And then middle school is when I kind of like flipped a switch, and I realized if I became mean, people wouldn't be so mean to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it still wasn't about my skin complexion. 
Um, but it was actually, the, it, if I was made aware of myself, it, it, it was first by a white girl. Uh, because she was like, um, why is your hair so big? Like, and then, you know, I remember her pulling, like, why is your hair so big and fluffy? It's, it's, that doesn't look like mine. And I remember I went home and I was like, mom, why don't I, you know, like, why don't I have hair like you? You know, and, and why don't I look like you? Why am I darker than you? And then that's when my mom explained to me, because you have your father and me in you. And so I remember she took um, paint. And she put white and black together. I mean, it came out gray, but <laughs> <laughs> she should have probably used brown. <laughs> well, yeah. But she was just trying to show me. I remember having that talk with her. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, no matter what she said about my hair, she tried to explain the hair thing to me. But, you know, a lot of my friends were white growing up because the, the black girls were a bit meaner to me, but white girls were still mean to me too. Mm -hmm. So um, I noticed, though, I was drawn more to white. To I had more white friends because of because I was I did grow up in Germany up all the way up until elementary school, mm -hmm. so I kind of veered towards them not because I wanted to I just that's what I knew growing up. So, anyways, with that being said, middle school, um, even my mom my mom asked me this question. Um, I don't I don't know what I don't know where this came from. I remember my mom saying to me, "So when you grow up, are you gonna marry a white man or a black man?" And I was so confused to that question. Like, I didn't understand it. I was like, what? And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh. And then I think I said a white guy. I don't know. <laughs> she didn't matter either. A white, I didn't marry white or black. I was like, forget wow. this. I'm going Spanish. <laughs> but, um, so, anyways, um, I, ex just, I just experienced um, bullying, like I said, from all races. Um, and then in, in middle school, it's been when I, I became the bully. Because I didn't want to be picked on anymore. Um, I made a burn book, and before Mean Girls came out, like I just I became awful. And then um, in high school um, is when I decided that I didn't know where I fit in. Um, and in high school is when I chose I wanted to be black. Um, and I pretty much like shunned my mom. I would I would I remember making her feel bad. Um, and I was just like, Mom, I'm not, I, I can't claim that I'm white because, you know, if, like they say, if you have one drop of black in you, you're black. And I was hearing that from my friends in school. And I guess it did affect me more than I, than I had thought. Um, but in my mind, me being black meant me speaking a certain type of way, me wearing a certain type of clothes, mm -hmm. me having a certain type of attitude. Um, because I do remember one of the things in middle school was that, uh, black girls would be like, um, you sound like a white girl, you're an Oreo, you're an Oreo cookie. And um, they're like, ew, and I, I hated that. I'm like, you sound so white, you sound so white. And then it literally affected me so much that when I went to high school, I wanted to speak Ebonics and um, yeah, I, I remember becoming this person that just, um, oh, I'm like, I said, I wanted to be black. So um, yeah, I just, um, and let me say this, this is, it's still on the topic. I realized something, it's, it's, not, it's not even, like I said, I, I didn't notice the black and white things until I got older. Mm -hmm. And it's not that, you know, it's not that white people, I used to think that white people didn't accept me. I realized it's not that the white crowd didn't accept me, it's that I wanted nothing to do with them anymore. 
So they didn't bother to pursue a friendship with me. Mm. Um, and I'm, I realize that now that I'm older too, because now definitely like, you know, we're just a big melt, I have a big melting pot of friends. And I honestly veered away from the white and black, you know, because my, my dad had plenty of talks with me, like, you know, you're, that's disrespectful to your mother, you are half of her. Um, and um, I chose, I made, I made a very, um, what's the word I'm looking for, like, a sound decision to not choose between having white and black friends. And I literally had my, like, Danny, uh, one of my best friends from high school, she was biracial. Um, I hung out with a lot of, like, Spanish girls. I hung out with Brazilians. It made me veer away from all that negativity of who I was and who, who I was being picked on. I just started hanging out with people who were from the Middle East. Um, yeah, I just I stayed away from that black and white. I didn't like it. I didn't like it because it really just uh, I didn't like it. Because I would go home and I would see a black father and a white mother, and it was just like this is my reality. This is my world. Like this is who I am. Why do I have to choose one of them? Yeah. I love both. I am both. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's kind of my experience growing up. Do you think that is a Southern mentality? Because a lot of people here, like when we have discussions, mm-hmm. it unfortunately, it always turns mm-hmm. into yeah. a black and white sure uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. But you have multiracial, multiracists in the audience, mm-hmm. and it makes them feel excluded. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, you aren't the only ones that get backlash. Right. Not just from other races, but your own. Right. For not being enough of this or being too much of that. Mm-hmm. So, do is did y'all notice into the, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure you did, but when you actually lived here, did y'all notice that dynamic? That that's, that was the, like, the, the uh, undertone cancer that was going around. It was either you, and like, unfortunately, like you said, you have to choose aside because mm. I remember I got called out for not being black enough mm. so I'm like how can you not be black how can I not be black enough when I am black mm. right and you can't define my experience right, right. and I actually had to uh Adrian had to remind me say your experience as a black person mm-hmm. is different from your mom's mm-hmm. or somebody down the street right yeah. so. um I think that what what Augusta actually made me aware of is um, the segregation of uh, what's like? Help me out with this one. Like the how the neighborhoods like you know when you're in a white neighborhood and you know when you're in a black neighborhood. Like how do I say that? Well, you think you just did say it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you can tell here. Um, mm-hmm. And Augusta's. I don't know if it helps or not. You know, being from South Florida, there's so many. Yeah. And there there mm-hmm. are in Augusta, but it's different. Like. Mm-hmm. The they stay they really stay to themselves. Mm-hmm. Where in South Florida, mm-hmm. a lot of times, there are definitely those neighborhoods where only Hispanics, pretty much Hispanics live, mm-hmm. or, you know, or basically only blacks live, or you know, Asians or whatever it is, Jewish or whatever. But because they choose to live there, it's not that they have right. to. And they don't. But here, you you know, the different ethnicities outside of white and black are so uh, a lot less than in South Florida. So you don't really see it as much. So I, we used to make the joke here because nobody knows what I am here. And nobody knows what she is I here, did. right? I had no idea. And nobody does because of how it is. You don't, you yeah. don't have the exposure. Here you're black, you're white, or you're Mexican. You're not mm-hmm. Puerto Rican. You're not, you know, Colombian. You're black, <laughs> oh, you're white, dude. or you're Mexican. I, yeah. had to make, I made the mistake in calling my friend Hispanic. Uh-huh. And he said, no, no, no. 
I'm not Hispanic. Yeah. I was like, because at that moment, I was like, so what's the difference? Can you define? Because he was, he was Mexican. So the way I understand it, <laughs> and I could, you know, I could be wrong, but somebody could understand it differently. But um, the people who I call Hispanic mm-hmm. are the Caribbean Hispanic, so like Puerto Ricans, Dominicans. You might as well just chew it. You ain't going to enjoy it. I'm sorry. But uh, um, those, then I could, and I think that other people do identify as Hispanics also, but mm-hmm. I know Mexicans are very proud yeah. of being Mexican only, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't call uh, Spaniards, they don't, I don't think they identify as Hispanic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They identify as Spaniards. They're from Spain. You know but uh, the people who I would always feel safe calling Hispanic is, like I said, Cuban, Dominican, Puerto Rican, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a little different. Like, I don't think uh, Colombians, per se, and I could be wrong about that because I don't really have that much exposure to them. But where I grew up, that's who were Hispanics were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, one of the things that really bothered me when I first moved up here is that we got, and, um, and we got it from a lot of our, our close friends, but um, I, I felt like because of the lack of diversity here in, in Augusta, mm-hmm. we were told that we look like brother and sister. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it bothered me, one, because it is my husband, mm-hmm. but two, it's like we don't look alike. I felt like we were being prejudged because we were both light-skinned and we both have curly hair. Mm-hmm. But we come from two different places. I'm freaking German and Haitian. He's Dominican and Puerto Rican. Like, we're not at all the same. And so we never got that <coughs> in South Florida. We only got that here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I remember I used to get mad. I'm like, yo, people here in Augusta are so ignorant and so small-minded. Like, and that's what we used to say. Like, it's literally black, white, earth. <laughs> yeah, but <Augusta>, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, me being in Colorado now, um, you know, I went up there with such a Southern mindset and I was actually very embarrassed at it because when I first went up to Colorado to visit, Mm -hmm. the first thing I did was I told Philip, I said, yo, there's like only white people up there. And as I'm talking to him, I was asking myself, what does that matter? Yeah. Like, what does it matter if a place is predominantly white or black? Like, like it's 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 actually very embarrassing to to think like that. To have that, I always I call it my southern mentality. And when I talk to people up in Colorado, I make comments, and they actually look at me like, "Why are you even saying that?" Like, I'm like, "Yo, so like, where are all the black people at?" Or, um, like, "Where's the diversity?" And the people in Colorado are looking at me like. Why are you even saying that? Like, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed by that. And I'm like, it's, and I have to, I'm like, it's a Southern mindset. It's apparently yeah. a Southern mindset. Just forget what I just said. Just forget <laughs> it. Forget it. So I guess that kind of answers your question. Is it a Southern thing? I think it is. I think it is. <laughs> but I also think that the country is exposed to it so much because of media and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's becoming more dominant mm-hmm. in the rest of the country. But mm-hmm. it's definitely been, it's rooted in, in the history here. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. It ain't been no, it hasn't gone away in hundreds of years. So mm. you can imagine how hard it would be to get rid of it. Yeah. You know? Have y'all heard about the, uh, they wanted to remove the Confederate, there was a group of people that wanted to move the Confederate monument on Broad Street. 
over a couple of months ago? I didn't know what was happening here in Augusta. Of course, I've been, you know, overseas and she would have been out of here. But I did see it happening in the nation. A lot yeah. of places in the country doing that. So I'm not actually surprised. They, because uh, they did a march on, on Thursdays from uh, trying to um, promote the idea of it should be removed. Right. Then we had a lot of discussion downtown with a group of people, uh-huh. with some um, some educators. They were, you know, showing their viewpoints on the matter, and like you said, it's 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 rooted, literally rooted in the history. Mm-hmm. And the problem was, it it immediately turned, like you said, it immediately turned to a black and white. Thing. Right. And I was like, okay. We're refusing to see the overall picture of what's really going on. Mm-hmm. That did happen, right? But it it is part of history, right? And I said, and I was talking to Adrian. I said, you know, the death of Jesus is a part of history. It did happen, right? Mm-hmm. But if you really like, that's no, that's why I'm, a lot of people don't talk about the Passion of Christ. I still haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. But like the brutality, like the specifications of what actually went down. Like right. nobody really wants to talk about it because it's real. Right. But it actually happened, mm-hmm. and. The same thing that happened with um, the Civil War Mm -hmm. and the severity of it. Like that, it is a part of our history, but that's not what we are anymore. This is what we are. So the argument was that if you can either (coughs) do maybe two or three possibilities, have it removed and put it in a museum, Mm -hmm. or keep it and put something else that represents the difference between where we were and where we are, or just completely remove it Mm -hmm. and... And leave it at that. Right, right. And a lot of people were voting. I think it should be removed. And then obviously, no, I think it should stay. Some people say, you know what, man? I didn't even know it was there until because I didn't know it <laughs> was there. That's me. That's me. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's like huge, and it's right. been there since eighteen seventy eight. Wow. So I'm like, I didn't, it didn't bother me. Right. But it it also sheds light on your mindset. Mm-hmm. Just like you were talking about your experience in high school. Yeah. That was a progressive mindset because you're like. I know who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable in that. You bring in the opposition, that's not my fault. Right. That's your opinion. Right. That's your point of view. But you're, you're aware mm-hmm. it's just not rooted in who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but like, I've, I'm starting to notice that too, uh, dealing with people here. Um, that that's, it, it, it comes up and it's so easy to spot, especially when you leave the South. You become aware of stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And y'all mentioned the areas. I didn't realize there was a difference between Columbia County and Richmond County. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. And the only reason why I learned that because my mom's a teacher. Uh-huh. And she teaches at Glen Hills Elementary. Okay. Yeah. So I'm starting to see the difference between that and, and other schools. Yeah. And uh-huh. the, the possibilities and the, the, uh, the uh, accessibility to certain yes. things. Just go, it's just different. visit all the Kroger's in Augusta. Oh. Yeah. Visit the Kroger's and see the difference from yeah. one to another or the Walmarts yeah see the difference between the ones that are in you know here versus there it doesn't make any sense and like the way that I cope with it is I make a joke about it mm-hmm. like we went to the Kroger on Riceboro Road and we just used to be like oh here we go to the ghetto Kroger you know mm-hmm. and like because I was so uncomfortable with the situation and with the reality of what was happening I had a laugh about it because you know you think well it's it's not gonna change. Yeah. It's not gonna change. And so, yeah. So, um, I'm gonna ask things as far as things that I've learned about you all that right, make yeah. y'all very unique. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, we, starting with you, uh-huh. you being very uh, honest, mm-hmm. and candid, 
Um, I'm, I've never, I've met people, like maybe my aunt, she's very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, my aunt was the type of person, hope she doesn't hear this and get mad. <laughs> she would be the person that would like, when she's braiding your hair, mm-hmm. and you know when you sit between people's legs, she would pass gas. <laughs> and she would apologize, <laughs> but she just, just leave it as it is. <laughs> or she would, one time I was sitting at the dinner table playing Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Her telephone rang. In my mind, I'm like, she can't answer that. She's in the tub. She literally gets out of the tub, and it's like soap suds just dripping off, and she answers the phone. And I'm and I'm literally like this, and I and I can't look. Right. But all I see is a brown person with white spots, on her. and she doesn't she doesn't miss it without a beat, and she just goes back in the tub. Yeah. And I'm like, obviously I've met people that just tell things the way they are, but when I met you. I was like, this woman is brutally honest. Yeah. And it's funny, you, you are that way, because one time, yeah. we were, um, it was after um, one of the breakpoints, mm-hmm. and you asked me, so who are you dating? I said, I was dating this girl in, ironically, Jacksonville. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he was like, why? There's so many opportunities, there's so many uh, women here that uh-huh. you can date. And the first person that popped in my mind, I kid you not, was Adrian. Yeah. And we were just friends at that moment. So I was like, I can't, can't go there with her. Yeah. Which is, that's where right. we are. Yeah, but yeah. That, that brutal honesty. Yeah. Um, what is, is that the way that you've always been? Or where did that come from? Um, I've always been that way. That's a really good question. Um, I want to say that mm, as far back as I can remember, <laughs> <laughs> Um, not as, not as, not as extreme as I am now, mm-hmm. um, but I've always been a little, I think it, like I said, it was middle school when I started to stand up for myself a bit more, yeah. as when I started to have more of a voice for myself, but, um, as of me like this, I, my girlfriends from high school tell me I was already like that in high school, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess, maybe. I think her, I think her, uh, mother being from Germany. Mm. You know, it's it's mm. different. It's different over there. Like you know, they have billboards with breasts out mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. that in Germany. Yeah. And the TV, you might see. You see penises. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, n- now it's now in 2017. Um, you had there's you know now there's a separation of the TV shows. Now you have to like you can have kids kids only on television, kids mm. cable. Um, or you can, you know, uncensor it and then all you get all the channels. Yeah. But yeah, like you, you go through Germany and I remember being uh, my, a teenager and there was a billboard with a, a woman with her breasts out in water being poured down on her chest and it was a water, it was a water billboard advertisement. Yeah. And that's just, yeah. <laughs> that might have something to play with it. If you're not ashamed of your body, like that, I think that'll take you far and not be ashamed of a lot of stuff. Yeah. You're very candid with a lot of stuff. Oh yeah. Do, do they have the mentality that sex sales or they're like, this is what we're going to do to advertise water? Or... Um, I, I feel like low-key, it's also a sex sales kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But they're just much more open with stuff. Like, you know, there's the red light district um, where you have open um, uh, prostitution, prostitution mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. So, um, but does it change the crime rate? Does it change the rape? Does it change all of that? Maybe a smaller percentage, but it's still there. It's still very potent, mm-hmm. you know, over there. But um, 
I think it's just sex sells, period. I, I believe Germans use that, too, as a, as a ploy to get some money. Maybe. I mean, I don't see the real correlation between titties and water. Yeah, I, <laughs> like, <laughs> I never understood that. But one thing about me is, um, because of my because of my background with my my mother being German, um, one thing that is not odd for me, mm-hmm. um, and is now not odd for my girlfriends because they've been my friends for so long, is I would I get undressed. Um, I don't hide away when I get undressed. Um, I get naked in front of my girlfriends as though it's absolutely nothing. And it took people, I, will, I always remember people's reaction like, oh. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> We've got the same thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess I always have been open in a sense. But I think more so now, um, when I got older, I'm more vocal in certain things. Now, when you're in the presence, just out of curiosity, when you're in the presence of majority of men, mm-hmm. do you feel like they might not be comfortable with that, thinking that as a woman, this is what you should or should not do? Um, I think I've become a bit desensitized to that mm-hmm. and that I don't take other people's feelings into consideration about my openness and my honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there needs to be a line that needs to be drawn but I did also notice because of my openness and honesty about certain things that I've dealt with, like, you know, pornography or um, just th- like things that a male would deal with that it's not really typical of a woman yeah. in our society to yeah. deal with that. Because of that honesty, I've had, you know, men come to me um, and talk to me about it, um, you know, and, and to to give advice, and then that's where that's where it gets a little bit difficult because I I don't understand the mind of men, um, and I feel like that there's certain things that I can't really speak of that it would be inappropriate, um, and I am sometimes afraid that it might lead to other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but bec- like I said, because I because I a bit desensitized, I don't take into consideration if it makes somebody else uncomfortable I'm not made aware of it until a person might come to me personally yeah. and say to me hey you know mm-hmm. yeah so you seem like you've always been the, <laughs> the like the chill type yeah. just like always always mellow um, yeah. I remember hearing that is it uh, he practices taekwondo jiu-jitsu Ju- how do you say it? Jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, yeah. Uh, I think Keanu Reeves yeah, practices he, he that. Yeah, he did that. You see it in his new movies. You see, if you know what you're looking for, you can see the moves. Because I, I was oh, I know what that is. Oh, he's doing <laughs> an armbar. Yeah, so much Hollywood is so fake, but his new, whatever, the John Wick movies and stuff, yes, I watched yeah. them. And you, you, you can tell that he, he trained for it, like for real. I was, uh, I started noticing the uniqueness and realizing, I used to think, uh-huh. that martial art was offensive uh-huh. but for so long I didn't know and you can correct me if I'm wrong that it's defensive like you don't really go out uh-huh. to fight but if uh-huh. you're I guess you're, you're you're being you're doing what you have to do to defend yourself yeah. and it's like they and I guess in the culture where this is the primary practice mm-hmm. it's not used for it's like it's used for something much greater than that right searching yeah. for something within yourself it's it gives sometimes it gives people purpose and sometimes it'll pull people out of dark places when mm-hmm. they find that you know just there's a lot of things do that but 
um, a lot of people in jujitsu because it's it's pretty unique. I think it's it's unique or somewhat unique amongst other martial arts because mm-hmm. yes, that's true. It is it, you don't go out looking for problems, um, and I think the reason one of the reasons why people who do Brazilian jujitsu don't tend to do that is because you're constantly being humbled uh, because like you well, might be bad, you might yeah. be really good at what you do. You know what I'm saying, but. You go to another school or maybe it's not your day and some smaller should never be able to beat me kind of person comes in and just wrecks you. And it always puts <laughs> you back in your place, man. It makes you respect people yeah. for who they are. And the most humble, some of the most humble people I know are Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners. You know, I can't speak for other martial arts because it's the one that I chose. Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting dynamic so why did you choose it initially all right so i wrestled in high school Mm -hmm. and wrestling was a big part of you know my development and it it pushed me um through some um very hard things in the military like Mm -hmm. you know having to push myself because wrestling built that for me it i i earned something being a wrestler you know what i mean i earned a certain kind of mindset and a certain kind of like toughness, right? Mm-hmm. So I was in, you know, I came here to Augusta. I'm in the fire department. And when you played basketball in high school and whatnot, you know, you can go out to a park and pick up a basketball game. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And you can find people to go play basketball with you. But wrestling, once you leave <laughs> high school, if you didn't go to college or something, yeah. you ain't just going to find somebody to just wrestle with no. you, right? But the, the desire to grapple is still there, right? Just mm-hmm. like you probably sometimes you might be, maybe you ain't bald in a while and you go and you're like, man, I really want to play basketball. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It happens. So I'm at the fire department and um, my now best friend, uh, Matt Wright, he wrestled in high school in Florida where I was. And he's kind of, he's shorter than me, oh, but he's short. We're still built the same, and I knew he wrestled, but it just happened. You know, I was talking to him one day. I was like, hey, man, you ever miss wrestling and this and that? He was doing jujitsu, wow. and he was like, yeah, man, I, do, I did, but now I do this, so why don't you come out? And he introduced it to me, and I fell in love with it because I got the same kind of, you know, satisfaction and the same kind of workout and all of that stuff. Now I can do that with people who want to do it. Yeah. They fell in love with it, and me and Matt Wright's wife, we did not like jujitsu. <laughs> I tried. I they tried. were there all the time. That's <laughs> one of the things. But you know, you got a passion for sports, for yeah. basketball, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know how it is. Like, does do you feel like you, you're going to get rich off of it? No, but you still do it. You still you gain some satisfaction from doing it, you know? And I'm sure that um, you've learned lessons, you know, from having to be out there and push yourself and stuff yeah. like that, you know. So and like you said, it's like um, there was a lot of guys that are probably half my half my height. Right. So when you when you have to guard them, of course it's a mismatch. Like right. that guy ain't gonna do nothing. There was one guy who literally left me in my tracks every <laughs> single time. Did not miss. Right. And you would come across people with the most awkward jump shots. Right. But every time it went in. And um, it always, what is it? Oh, man. Form, form follows function. Because mm. as soon as you realize what you want to do, regardless of how you do it, once it gets done, uh-huh. you're good. Yeah. Uh, of course, like, Le- like LeBron James, they got on him because they had to change his jump shot mm. once he left high school. Uh-huh. 
But if you look at like uh, was Alonzo Ball, he he the way he does it, it just doesn't look, but he hits it, he hits it every time. So when you come across somebody in a, in a small arena and you just you size them up, you're like he ain't gonna do nothing. Right. But he does something and he, he leaves you completely helpless. Yeah. And I remember wrestling, just wrestling around with. I had a friend of mine from yeah. from mil, uh, middle school, his stepdad. He was he wasn't the biggest guy, uh-huh. but he had his he ended up pinning me down, and I couldn't move. <laughs> I couldn't move, and I literally started screaming. I'm like, dude, like <laughs> this. I just knew that I was gonna be able to get from under him. Right. But you just because somebody has muscle doesn't mean they use it well. Right. Just because yeah. somebody doesn't doesn't mean that yeah. they're weak. Yeah. So. I remember talking to you once, and you were—I guess you were about to go against somebody that was there. That their weight class was just a little bit less than yours, maybe. And you like, man, I had to go against this this guy, but he just—he killed me. And that, like you said, it's a it's a humbling experience mm-hmm. because not only does it cause you to say like, I'm not as good as I thought I would be, uh-huh. but at the same time, if I want to be there, I need to get better. Mm-hmm. And. I recently saw because we touched based on uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. Mm. This guy is, I think, pushing maybe fifty or sixty. Probably still in the 60, yeah. still in the same shape, if not better than he was when he was doing like Tom Cop uh-huh. or Street Fighter right. or um, um, this some other movie he did. But it was I was always impressed because I've never seen a guy do a split mm. like that. <laughs> like I remember one scene on Tom Cobb, there was a, a mouse. Something ran. Something happened in the um, in the kitchen. He did a split oh, on the on counters. The <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, dude, you know what you're doing because right. you have a little short shorts. You know, <laughs> know exactly what you're trying to do. Yeah. But it's just, I always the older I got, the more I realized it's not just about fighting. No, no. It's a mental space that you have to enter, especially when you're about to enter a match. Yep. Yeah. That. It's like it's like tunnel vision, yeah. and I understand that from a writer's standpoint because that's a that's a place that you have to go when you really want to do something very well. Right. So learning that about you started making sense with you because you're you're very like I said you're very mellow mm-hmm. kind of person and you have to be centered especially when dealing with everything else. Especially dealing with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, <laughs> and I and I, and I was. Cause I would, because sometimes you look at yourself like, who in the world would deal with me the way that I am? Mm-hmm. And then you finally meet somebody that gives you that space to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you look at the other person and say, oh, poor guy. Like, Actually, he's, no, no. I mean, what you didn't like or what you weren't fond of, he was. And he saw the gift and he saw the beauty in that. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's, that's the point of putting people in the position that y'all were in to meet each other. And I guess, and that's the beautiful thing that I've learned about um, knowing God is that, like they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. Because mm-hmm. you, when it happens, you're like, why did this happen? Why now? Especially when you're young. Because something's yeah. so small, your world falls apart. Right. But when you get older, you're like, okay, so this, this is why. Mm-hmm. This is why we walked into this church. This is why I saw this young man up front mm-hmm. and like all that stuff starts making sense right like everything that you ever went like for a while i didn't know you were uh in the in the, in the military i had no idea mm-hmm. and I, th- I thought that you grew up as somebody that wanted to be a fireman because mm-hmm. i've never met a fireman ever in my life mm-hmm. and 
then I realized that you were in the martial arts. And you just had all these layers. Mm-hmm. And then it's starting to make sense as far as when you talk about your past, why things are the way that they are now. So I, uh, I've always admired that about you both. And one thing, the beautiful thing about a couple is that even though you end up being two different people, it's hard to see one without the other mm-hmm. because you complement the other. Yeah. And that whole ideal of the interlocking, like yin, right. yin and yang, how yeah. it, one's chasing the other, but it's like what, what one lacks, the other one makes up. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, I, and I commend you, but not just you two, but other people that I've met, young couples, mm-hmm. and re-beautiful, I guess, re, uh, rekindling the idea of marriage. Mm-hmm. Because I've talked to a lot of people who mm-hmm. rather choose to date the person that they had a child with forever right. did not get married get because married. that's too final. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's man. That's society. Society mm-hmm. right now, and it really is not just society. When I say society, man, it people don't people don't understand how spiritual marriage is. Whether you are a spirit, you know, if you believe in God or not, it's mm-hmm. still a spiritual covenant. It's a covenant that you enter into. You know what I mean? And I think the reason why that is. Um, so attacked, you know, is because it's it's all light and dark. It's all God or the, or or the devil, right? Yeah. Um, it's only two things at the end of the day that is pushing and influencing. And the marriage is a picture of God's relationship with us. And Satan hates that. He hates it. That's why people can be together for so long, dating for so many years, and be fine. As soon as they get married everything starts falling apart and they just just because they got married yeah because he wants to break that covenant because it's it's a it's you know it's a reflection of what he hates because it's what he missed out on Mm -hmm. that's what he forfeited you know what i mean he had his place and he doesn't have that anymore uh, the way he had it and we do you know we have something that he's jealous of and marriage is a picture of that he hates it that's i i think that's why it's very interesting to see people together for so long and as soon as they get married like it's like the whole world is falling apart around yeah. them yeah um I'm, i guess since we got a few minutes i wanted to ask you i'm pretty certain you've been asked this recently since you are you were in, you are in the military what's your viewpoint on the whole thing going on with kneeling with kneeling, man, I'm gonna tell you what, um, it's tough because like you, we, I don't know if we said this uh, during the recording. We were talking about this earlier. People want, people want to say, you know, express their opinions, but don't want to see where other people's opinions are coming from. And me and my father actually had this conversation, and he's not for it. And I know him and my uncle got into a very heated, multi-day argument over this whole thing. You know, uh, my opinion on it is. I believe that the people who are doing it are doing it for the right reason. Yeah. Um, other people feel like it's disrespectful to the flag. I don't feel like it's about the flag. It's them doing something to gain attention for another reason. You yeah. Know? Well, do it another way. You know, don't do it. You know, don't disrespect the flag. Nah, man. In my opinion, being somebody who, <clears throat> even to this point, you know, uh, who was willing to lay my life down for the flag in the mm-hmm. country. Um, to me, it's not offensive because I've seen it way worse. If you're spitting on the flag or stepping on the flag or lighting it on fire, mm-hmm. then we got a problem. 
you know, kneeling for the national anthem personally doesn't offend me as much as other things. And I think that they have they have a valid it worked. At the end of the day, are we talking about the things that they wanted to talk about? Yes. Yeah. Is it completely how they wanted it to happen? Is that the only thing we're talking about? No, you got other people who are only only wanna think about what they want to think about or you're disrespecting the flag, you know, you're missing the point. Mm-hmm. You know? And I feel like if people would listen you know, if they could, if they could try to understand where somebody else is coming from, you don't have to agree with somebody's opinion to accept it. You know what I'm saying? And I don't mean accept it and make it as part of your life, but accept that that's their opinion. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you don't have to agree with it, but you have to, ex- you have to accept the fact that they have the right to have that opinion, mm-hmm. and then see if there's any credence to it. Do they have a point or not? Is it? Is it true or not? Was what they're saying true or not? And sadly, it's true. Yeah. So I don't have a problem with them kneeling. If you don't, that's part of, it's part of our right. You know, it's part of yeah. the, the whole thing that I fought for and that other people have been fighting for for years. If you don't want to stand and you don't want to honor the anthem and all of that stuff, it's, it's okay. That's what this part of the reason why this country was founded. You know what I mean? To, to be able to do the things that you have the free right, you should have the free right to do. Yeah. A lot of um, a lot of people are saying that um, they're saying that it is disrespectful. But like you, uh-huh. there are a few that are actually saying we actually fought for everybody to have a right to do as they please. But now, when it comes to something that's actually threatening right. what we what we fought for or the country itself, of course we're gonna have to because I fought for this country. Therefore, mm-hmm. yeah, but. We fought for different people in this country, not just like you're. If you are, you being white doesn't make you American. You right. being black doesn't make you American. Right. If you're here, you are American, whether right. you came over or you were born here. Right. So having that mindset, like you said, of understanding the right and what it represents, the bigger picture, mm-hmm. and I think that's what a lot of us are missing out on, especially down here. Because yeah. um, a friend of mine was at a football game, and she chose not to stand uh-huh. and she was there with her daughters uh-huh. um, apparently she got chastised for doing that but nobody defended her right. nobody it's her right man and and it was and it really struck a chord with me was because she she's biracial mm-hmm. black and white her her children are as well um, not as biracial as her but they're still <laughs> They're going to be demons black with mm-hmm. the skin tone. Mm-hmm. But the reality that they have to deal with this as girls, mm-hmm. because they had to deal with that and they have to see that through their mom's eyes. Right. And I was telling her for so many years, it's always been the black male mm-hmm. that has to be saved. Before you go out, Like you have to grab the arm before they leave the house and say, right. make sure you do this because this might happen to you. Mm-hmm. But now it's gotten to the point where as women, mm-hmm. you might have to be reminded, hey, you need to do this and do that. Mm-hmm. And I, it feels like that over the past couple of years, so much has been done for us to have the privileges that we have. Mm-hmm. But now, it's like things has gotten worse. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I wanted to know, just based off your opinion right quick, mm-hmm. do you think what's going on with people disliking Trump and all this other stuff, do you think this is a good time for us to stop depending on other things and actually start focusing on what's going on? Like at home, mm. because without a doubt, yeah. Because uh, the thing JFK said, uh, 
ask not what I could do, what my country can do for me, but what I could do for my country. Right. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this is our time to actually step up and do what we've been promoting for so long. Yeah, always. Um, and what you said about it has to start at the home and even before the home, it has to start with um, each individual and um, doing doing what they have to do to um, have a strong relationship with God. Everything builds off of that foundation. And if it does, if it's not there, you can look across the world at the countries who don't have that foundation. And it can be argued that we no longer have that foundation. And, you know, I'm not going to debate that because I don't, I don't I don't think there's enough time for that, but um, <clears throat> it has to start with the family. The family unit, in my opinion, is the foundation of this country, and that's always been that's being attacked very much in the, probably the past you know few decades. Mm-hmm. And the the foundation of the family unit has to be God. Yeah. So if we're not if we're not pursuing that, then everything else is built on you know a unstable structure, mm-hmm. and it's all gonna it's all gonna be affected. Well, I wanted to add something in there really quick. Um, my dad had actually, it's, it's, it's kind of veering back towards um, um, color. Like you said, like, you know, being a, being a black male and being told don't do X, Y, Z, and now having it be done for women as well. My dad just told a story to both Philip and I that, um, you know, my father has encountered racism and has never shared it with me. And I was very oblivious to the story he just told the other day um, where he was in the car with my mom and I and my sister and um, we had just, we had, my mom and I, my sister, we had just come here mm-hmm. and the car that we had apparently had extremely dark tint on it. And um, the, my dad got stopped and he, he, he pulled over and he said to my mom, mm, um, I, I like, I'm, you know, I'm a black man. And he's like, I have my two daughters in the back seat. I'm not going to deal with this. So my dad went on ahead and rolled. He said he rolled all four windows down um, because it wasn't about just him protecting himself. He was concerned about his family in the car. And the reason why he brought that story up was because um, I had told him about this video that I had just seen where people were having a fit. There was a man who you don't see the whole video. You just see the car had already flipped. And the man literally gets out with his baby girl. It's a black male with his daughter in his hand. And the police officer, white police officer, is coming and trying to, you know. Put him on the ground. Yeah, put him on the ground. He's like, my daughter, my daughter. And he, and he was like, get on, you know, get on the ground. He's like, my daughter, my daughter. And eventually, um, I don't know if, if he puts his daughter down, but eventually they get the guy down on the ground. And I was reading the comments, and people were just like, of course, it went back to racism, and yeah. it went back to this, and I didn't, I didn't see it as a black and white issue. My problem was, why, were, why did you even put your child in harm's way to a situation like that? Like, what happened before? Why were you being chased? Yeah. And why in God's name were you trying to throw your daughter into the, into the, into the fire of what was happening? And that's when me telling my dad that story is what made him tell me that story. He said it was never about me, my protection was I wanted to keep you guys safe. And it's just crazy. Like, I never grew up with my dad ever having to, my dad never forewarned me about what I would go through being biracial. My dad never told me X, Y, Z. He never even shared 
his experiences with me until I tell him a story and then he tells me about an encounter that he had. Mm. Um, and I'm grateful for it. Um, I'm, gr- I'm, I'm actually, I'm grateful for it. Um, because he never wanted me to have an opinion based on his life experiences. He wanted me to live them out myself. Yeah. But some people may see it as maybe a problem that um, he should have educated me on that. But I don't know. I don't know. It just made me think about that. Like, I, I never... I was never educated on my skin color. I was never educated on how to be or how to act or what was going to happen to me. Um, I just kind of went through it and I, you know, dealt with it as it came at me. Yeah. Um, if any opinions were made, it was due to social media. It was due to what other people were saying about it um, and what other people were posting up about it. And my my rage and anger is actually fueled by, you know, someone else now. And so... Yeah. I don't know, but I just, I believe that it does start in the home. I believe that it is very important that we, um, I don't think that we should, I don't think that we should focus on, um, you know, color and, and, and whatnot. I feel like we're veering so far, like, I see posts where a mother has her little daughter dressed in an African outfit and her little, a little five-year-old girl with her fist like this. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, why, why teach her that? Why can't you just teach her morals and values and allow her to grow in that and yeah. find strength in that? Why are you making her find strength in her ethnicity? It doesn't make sense to me. Actually, yeah. it, quite, it bothers me quite a bit to see that. Mm-hmm. Because you 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 see power in it. I see ignorance. Like it's just it's just as ignorant as I don't know. I don't know, but I guess that's just like the uh, that photo with the little baby that was in the the uh, KKK costume, mm-hmm. and the it was a black officer that was smiling down at him. But that was just goes to show how mm-hmm. practice. At such a young age, things are starting to become. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing that one thing a lot of pastors are praying for is the breach in the generational cycles. Mm-hmm. Because this stuff is still being teached. Yeah. It's still being on the forefront of the kid's mind. So when they go to school, like this, oh, that that's what that means. This means because I'm black or because mm-hmm. I'm white. And just teaching basic more moral values because mm-hmm. that's what my mom did with us thank god and yeah. but it but it wasn't until i got into college where i was on the verge of doing better than i was I said cj you do have to keep in mind mm-hmm. that you are black not saying this has to be your primary focus but right. just consider that right. because you're you're educated you're in a position to do something very well not just for yourself but for your future family right, right. whatever you say whatever you do this is what you represent so I didn't become aware that I was a weird. I did not actually become aware I was a black man until I entered college. Mm-hmm. And when I, I just thought I was who I was that happens to be black. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that's this is what people see when they see me. Mm-hmm. No matter how well-spoken I am, yep. no matter how many degrees I have, mm-hmm. no matter how many times I say yes, ma'am, no, no ma'am, no sir, the moment I slip up, I'm immediately put into that one category. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's not right. And media, 
mm-hmm. has an excellent job, like you said, yep. of doing that. Yeah, and a lot of people are saying, man, everything that's been going on now, been going on forever. The only difference is everybody has a camera phone. <laughs> so everybody has access. Mm-hmm. So, but um, due to time, I'm going to go ahead and end this, this episode. I wanted to thank Sheena and Philip again for sharing yeah. you all stories. Um, I always want more time because I know there's so many, so much depth yeah. to you both. Mm-hmm. So, um, especially hearing that um, you're coming back to Augusta because this is where I met you all. Mm-hmm. But you all are growing, you're evolving, mm-hmm. and that's a very that's a beautiful thing to see that in a couple. Because mm-hmm. I'm learning um, that when you are married, <laughs> you're going to change and you're going to evolve. But that doesn't mean you have to quit. Because right. nowadays, once people see those changes, like, nah, that's not what I married. No, it's not what you married. You didn't marry that same exact person that same exact day. Mm-hmm. And you're obviously going to go through something where they're challenging. But I think what's the testament as far as you all's relationship is despite. Because there's countless, th- countless things that have happened. Things that you might have shared with people. Things that you've kept to yourself. But you all know what the foundation of what your marriage is. Yeah. And you're confident about that. And as somebody on the outside, I admire that. Because not everything you see is perfect. Like, you yeah. know, like the, the couple for a long time, I've always been like Will Smith and Jada, right. Jada Pink. You're like, oh, they don't want to have a relationship like them. But goal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, and I, I hate when people put goals on social media Me because you set that as your standard. Like, how do you know that's what you're going to? want or acquire when you get in that position so going through the fire letting it burn Mm -hmm. having your scar and say i can't i can't do that anymore Mm -hmm. and just moving on and confining in each other Mm -hmm. i think that's 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 very awesome um Mm -hmm. and personally i've i don't know what marriage looked like because in a household i just thought that one parent that was that was the norm that was the standard but when I went to other people's houses mm-hmm. and you see like the dad come out of the back room, I was like, who was that? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's, that's, that's the father. That's the husband. I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. So you become in tune with that dynamic. Mm-hmm. But I was privileged to be surrounded by some friends who did get married. And they, y'all, y'all doing it. Yeah. Now, like in 2017, with all the stuff that's going on, you know what, what you built your relationship from. And having that confidence and comfort in that, um, you never know just how much of an influence that has on other people. Yes. And then you all become somebody's standard they, that they wish to acquire, if not more. Mm-hmm. So, but um, thank you all again. Uh, again, this is uh, episode 16 of The Glory in Our Stories. Um, if you have any more questions, any concerns, just hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I think that's it. If you have any questions for them, um, let me know and I'll get in contact with them. Y'all have a good one.